please remain standing and turn with me, if you will, in God's Word to Luke chapter 9. Our passage uh, this morning is verses 37 to 50, but I'm going to start by just reading 37 through the beginning of verse 43. Luke chapter chapter 9, verse 37 through 43. Beloved congregation, this is our God's word uh, to us this morning. Uh, Let us give our attention to the reading of it. On the next day, when they came down from the mountain, a great crowd met him, and behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and he suddenly cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him and will hardly leave him. And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. And while he was coming, the demon threw him on the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. And so ends uh, the reading of God's word. Let us uh, pray that he would be pleased to meet us in it and speak to us through it this morning. Lord, as we come to your word, we are extremely aware that we do not have the ability on our own to understand your word to submit to your word and to benefit from your word. And so we ask that you would be with us and among us and that you would open your word to us, that you would grant us understanding and most importantly, that you would grant us faith in and obedience to this most precious word we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, Striking out on your own as a young adult is one of the most exciting and terrifying things you experience in life. Uh, We all experience this as young adults. We we get a job, we move out, we get our own place, and we take responsibility for ourselves. And we look forward to it all our lives, but then it terrifies us when it comes because we're used to depending on others, depending on our parents. We're used to a safety net. And we like safety nets. The reality is that we really experience this uh, in one way or another many times in our lives. You do something over and over with one of your parents, and eventually you do it, but they're sitting there right next to you. Then that time comes where mom or dad says something like this, you've got it, you don't need me anymore. And you think... I can't do this. I need you right there. Maybe it's the first time you fix dinner on your own or, or the first time you stay home alone or watch a younger sibling or, or that first unaccompanied drive in a car, your first visit to the store, the doctor, the airport. Sometimes the fear is that you won't be able to do it, but often the fear is simply that you won't be great. And we love to be great. We don't really like to be average, and we hate being below average, to be lowly. But greatness 
We all love greatness and we all want to be great. And when we start out, it's so easy to think that that what we need is that confident attitude to need no help, show no weakness, and admit no wrong. This is how the world sees greatness. I think it, it accounts for our political debates these days. When was the last time you saw a candidate say, yes, I did that and I was wrong? Or I've changed my mind? The world thinks that greatness means admitting no wrong and showing no weakness. And yet our God does not play by the world's playbook. He does not see greatness the way the world does. Now, now make no mistake, He is great. He is the greatest. There is no one greater than our God. He can do anything. But if we are to see His greatness truly see it and recognize it, we can't see greatness as the world sees it or we'll miss it. If we are to be truly great, we must first learn what greatness really is. And that's what our passage this morning is all about. Our passage is actually the final passage on on the first part of Luke. Uh, There's a major transition taken from from focusing on his signs and his wonders, his power. I mean, he's he's calmed the sea, the raging waves and and the wind. He's he's healed sickness. He's even raised the dead. And and this first section has been on his power. And from there, we're going to go into more focus on his teaching. And as as this section draws to a close, what we're going to see is this. God's greatness is demonstrated in three things. His power over evil, his love for the weak, and and his greatness is also demonstrated in those who humbly serve others. His power is demonstrated, or his greatness is demonstrated in power over evil, his love for the weak, but it's also demonstrated in those who who lovingly and humbly serve others. That's what we want to see. We want to look at each of these, how he he demonstrates his greatness in his power over the demons, and then we'll see his greatness proven in his willingness to suffer for his people, and then finally we, we want to see his greatness is shown in us when we receive the lowly and we stop drawing lines where the Lord hasn't. That's what I... I uh, hope to show you from this, this passage this morning. I guess it shouldn't be surprising that we find a parent bringing his only child to Jesus. This is now the fourth time this has happened in the first nine chapters of Luke. It's like he's trying to tell us something, isn't it? Uh, this theme of, of parental love and sacrifice, it just continues to barrel through the gospel of Luke like a freight train. God is driving home this point so that we might understand his heart, his fatherly love, not just for Jesus, but for us as well. There's nothing a parent won't do for his or her child. And so it is that this father brought his only son first uh, to Jesus' disciples, and his son is being tormented by demons. But, but the disciples were told in verse 40 weren't able to cast the demon out. And, and so now he's come to Jesus. And Jesus' response is directed first towards his disciples. O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? 
And the emphasis here is, is on how long will I be with you? Because Jesus knows that an hour is quickly, rapidly approaching when he will no longer be with his disciples. In just a few minutes, he's going to say to them, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men. He knows that he will soon be crucified and he will be departing from his disciples, at least physically. And here are his disciples paralyzed if he's not standing right next to them. What are they going to do when he leaves? They're weak, but not in a good way. Weakness is not bad in the Bible. In fact, God commands us to embrace our weakness so that we might lean on him. Uh, When we are weak, the Bible tells us, then we are strong because then we depend upon him. Uh, The weakness that God commends and even commands is when we realize that on our own we're helpless. It's then that we depend upon him. It's then that we surrender. But the weakness the disciples uh, are displaying is different. You see, they're depending upon their senses and their understanding of how things should be. Jesus sent us out to do things, but can he really help us if he's not right here? They're trusting their own reading of the situation rather than his. They're not confident in his power to conquer evil if he's not physically present right there. Good weakness recognizes that there is far more than meets the eye going on. Good weakness says, I'm never alone. My God is always with me. It says my confidence is in him, not me, my strength, my reading of the situation, my wisdom, my understanding. The disciples are basically saying, if I can't see Jesus, we're lost. Because they weren't really trusting his word and what he had promised. They, they were trusting their own senses and understanding. And so they couldn't cast the demon out. Jesus tells the man, bring your son here. And he rebuked the demon. He healed the boy and he gave him back to his father, verse 42. And we're told in verse 43 that the people were astonished. Such power, such greatness. In fact, that word translated, they, they marveled at his majesty. Majesty, it means, it means greatness. It comes from the same root. How often do we remember to pause and remember how great our God is? How many times has Luke pointed out and the people, people marveled and they stood in awe And he's trying to remind us that we should stand in awe a little bit more often and and pause. I mean, look at what Jesus has done so far. He's, He's calmed a raging storm in the open sea. Demons have run at his rebuke. He's healed illness. He's he's even reversed death. And sometimes we read and say, Yep. Because we forget how amazing that is. If we really understood and appreciated our God's power, would we spend half the time we do worrying? 
how much of our fears and fretting are because we forget that, that the God we serve is a great God. And he is great in power. There's nothing our God can't do. My fears, my worries, and my doubts are always, and I mean always, they always come back to one thing, that I'm relying on my own strength, like the disciples.